Good afternoon and good week to you. This is week number two for me at our sunny escape in Atlantic Beach, North Carolina, the Emerald Coast, also known as the Crystal Coast. Uh, We are down from Emerald Plantation, firmly planted between Moorhead City and Beaufort. Beaufort, of course, which is considered by many articles and television syndicate news programs magazines as the best little town in North America and the best beach getaway. It's also uh, one of the former domiciles of Blackbeard the Pirate, Edward Teach. And this is week number two for me on our family vacation, which I always tie in some sort of paranormal research or investigation into, which includes the old burying ground. It's a 300-year-old cemetery where there are locals, townspeople, pirates, sailors, military personnel, and a whole array of people buried there. And it's one of the oldest settlements in North Carolina. And this is me, Neil Parks, your host for Paranormally Speaking. I'll be discussing many things on this week's episode of my podcast, including some of uh, the most haunted places on the Outer Banks. Now, the Outer Banks is known as one of the premier vacation destinations for families in the United States. But many paranormal experts also consider the Outer Banks to be one of the most haunted places in the country. And the thin strip of barrier islands is undoubtedly a hot spot for paranormal activity. From hurricanes to pirates to the vanishing of an entire English colony in the late 1500s, the rich history of the Outer Banks dates back many centuries. You won't have to look far to explore paranormal hotspots in the coast of North Carolina. So please, sit back. The haunted Roanoke Island Inn, constructed in the 1860s by Asa Jones and his wife Martha, the Roanoke Island Inn is a quaint little bed and breakfast. It overlooks the scenic Roanoke marshes, lighthouses, and surrounding marsh. Now owned by John Wilson and the great-grandson of Asa Jones, the Roanoke Island Inn has more than doubled in size from its original structure. So what can be scary about a well-maintained inn with a great location? Well, legend has it that the ghost of Roscoe Jones haunts this Outer Banks landmark. Roscoe was a former owner of the inn and a member of the Wilson family. He was also a postmaster in the town of Monteo, for many years until one day he received the notice that he had been let go by the U.S. Post Service. Feeling extremely humiliated, Roscoe shut off from the outside world. He wouldn't leave his room unless no one else was in the building at the time. Shortly after losing his job and isolating himself, Roscoe passed away. Not long after his death, local residents spotted the ghost of a man in a postal uniform leaving 
and entering from the front door of the building on a very regular basis, fairly regular. In addition to the ghost of Roscoe haunting the inn, guests have reported hearing mysterious footsteps walking back and forth upstairs. Additionally, vases mysteriously smash on the floor, blinds move up and down, and radios turn on and off on their own. Another place to explore among my list of the top nine, Black Pelican Restaurant in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. You don't have to look too far to discover why many people commonly refer to the Outer Banks as the graveyard of the Atlantic. Side note, whenever you're swimming in the ocean, you are swimming with more dead bodies than there are in all of the graveyards in the world. Now back to this. The graveyard of the Atlantic. These islands have created a hazard for ships for centuries. There are several well-known shipwrecks along this coast, but this Outer Banks haunting takes place at a former life-saving station turned restaurant in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Life-saving station keeper Captain James Hobbs was in charge of a crew of surfmen. They were responsible for saving the lives of mariners in danger of falling victim to the mighty Atlantic Ocean. One young surfman by the name of T.L. Daniels was a particular thorn in Hobbs' foot and repeatedly antagonized the captain day in and day out. When the captain had finally had enough of Daniels, he shot him. Captain Hobbs ended the conflict with his loaded revolver in July of 1884. Daniels' body was buried at sea and without any witnesses or local law enforcement nearby, the courts cleared Captain Hobbs of all wrongdoing. Thus, he was never tried for the murder of Daniels. One of the oldest restaurants on the Outer Banks, the Black Pelican now occupies that same life-saving station where Captain Hobbs shot T.L. Daniels. Locals say that the spirit of the young surfman still haunts the building. The Ghost Cat of Cape Hatteras Lighthouse Lighthouses have been a part of the North Carolina's coast for well over a hundred years. They are unavoidable while driving from North Carolina 12, from Corolla to Hatteras Island. The most famous of the bunch has to be Cape Hatteras Lighthouse. It is the tallest brick lighthouse in North America, and it has appeared in countless family vacation photos over the years. Many people from that know that structure was once moved inland to avoid being washed away by the Atlantic Ocean. And most people can tell you that a black and white spiral covers the sides of the lighthouse. Only a few individuals, however, know the story of the ghost cat of Cape Hatteras Lighthouse that haunts this Outer Banks landmark. The ghost cat is a large black cat and a white cat that weighs anywhere from 20 to 25 pounds. A black and white cat that big. Some say it's a male cat, while others believe it's a female. Visitors have seen this same cat in and out around the lighthouse for about 150 years. After moving the lighthouse to its new location, the ghost cat came along to continue its haunting. People claim that the ghost cat will rub up against your legs and let you touch it. However, if you try to pick up the feline, the cat will vanish. Teach's Hole on Ocracoke Island Edward Teach, better known as Ah Blackbeard, is undoubtedly one of the most notorious, ruthless pirates of all time. He haunted the Atlantic and the Outer Banks long before his death. 
And it is just, it so happens that Blackbeard was particularly fond of a certain cove on Ocracoke Island. Ocracoke is an isolated isle south of Hatteras that's only accessible by ferry. This cove is known as Teach's Hole and is the alleged site of Blackbeard's execution at sea. Once the pirate's reign of terror finally ended, Blackbeard met his end the same way most pirates around that time did, with a beheading. His executioners hung the merciless pirate's head from a ship's bow strip and tossed the body overboard. Witnesses of the execution state that his head continued to scream after the beheading, and many claim that his headless body swam around the boat before finally dying. Legend of the White Doe What could be more puzzling and mysterious than the disappearance of an entire colony? In 1587, over 100 women and children journeyed from England to Roanoke Island to establish the first English settlement in the New World. Many believe that Virginia Dare left the colony to live amongst the area's natives. Then, a Native American witch doctor with whom she had a quarrel put her under a spell. The spell made Virginia Dare transform into a white doe when she passed away. Many say her ghost has haunted the Roanoke Island and the Outer Banks since locals and area visitors state that they've seen this white doe wandering the island from time to time. What happened to the English settlement that mysteriously vanished? No one knows for sure to this day. The North Room of Currituck Beach Lighthouse. Chain of events there began when an awful tragedy struck the young Sadie Johnson's family. They were the first family to live in the lighthouse keeper's quarters. Sadie would wander down the ocean almost every day and play for hours before later returning to the house. This routine came to a halt when Sadie didn't come home one day. The next day, searchers found her body washed up on shore. At the time, many considered Sadie's death to be an unfortunate and tragic event. However, the keeper's quarters weren't thought to be haunted up until the next heartbreaking occurrence at this Outer Banks lighthouse. Tragedy also brought the final family that inhabited the keeper's quarters to their knees. The lighthouse keeper's wife contracted tuberculosis and quarantined in, you guessed it, the north room. Soon after the isolated from family and friends, the woman lost her battle to tuberculosis. Are these incidences coincidence or is it something supernatural to blame? No one knows. However, since the last tenants moved out, not one person has spent an entire night in the North Room where so many people had lost their lives at the Keeper's House. Please hold for an important word from our sponsor. Hi, we're back from that super long commercial break. Moving on to the ghost ship of the Outer Banks. There is no shortage of marine time legends that relate to Cape Hatteras. Perhaps the most peculiar story relates to the mysterious past of the massive Carol A. Deering schooner. Lost in 1921 and later discovered completely abandoned by the Coast Guard, the enigmatic event has all of the makings of a Hollywood ghost story. Want to learn more about the puzzling Outer Banks mystery? The National Park Service has a terrific write-up of the story that you could read from their website 
or go to the actual museum. Flaming Ship of Ocracoke. Legend has it that each September on the first night of the new moon, a flaming ship sails past the coast of the Ocracoke Island. This ship looked similar to the vessel used to bring refugees from Rhine Valley in Germany to America in the early 1700s. Those looking to start a new life in America used this as a fairly safe and trusted route up until one day. While anchored off the coast of North Carolina, the crew of the ship attacked. They were robbed all of the immigrants of their precious values. After severely injuring and robbing the refugees, the crew proceeded to set the ship afire. Then they set the vessel adrift into the unforgiving Atlantic Ocean while the refugees were still aboard. Legend says that each year during the first new moon of September, the flaming ship of Ocracoke Island can be spotted sailing swiftly toward the northeast. The ship and its unfortunate passengers have haunted this Outer Banks Island ever since. Always accompanied by an eerie wailing sound from the refugees who perished during the crew's horrific act of violence and greed. Pioneer Movie Theater in Monteo, North Carolina. Built in 1918, there's no question that Pioneer Theater is a landmark structure on the Roanoke Island. Owned and operated by the same family after all of these years, the theater broadcasts movies once a night each week, 12 months out of the year. Some Roanoke Island locals believe that former family members haunt the old movie theater. Those who owned the businesses and continue to watch over the place, demanding people to be respectful of one another. Cell phone use is strictly prohibited inside the theater. Locals say that a ghost will knock your phone out of your hand if you try to use it during a screening. Regardless of whether or not you believe in the Pioneer Theater's haunting, you'd be hard-pressed to find a movie theater that would more be more of a character and charm in eastern North Carolina. Plus, tickets are at least a few dollars cheaper than you would pay at most every other movie theater in the area. Learn firsthand about these and more haunted stories on an Outer Banks ghost tour. Your ghoulish guide will lead you on a walking tour around downtown Monteo by lantern. Hear their ghost stories that make the Outer Banks one of the most haunted beaches in America. And I myself have been on the Beaufort ghost tour many times. And I'll share some of those stories with you as well as the stories shared by the guides themselves, but also my first-hand encounters right after we return from this next commercial break. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parks, 
paranormal at gmail.com. Standing by. Hi, welcome back from the self-serving commercial break. Hopefully my sponsors are happy with that. Set sail on the ghostly journey of this interactive ghost tour taking place in the area's most haunted historic building. Led by a pirate guide, you'll get to load and fire a working cannon, as well as your own sword fighting lesson. This takes place in the historic waterfront district of Moorhead City. All of the stories you will hear have been extensively researched and well-documented, and the folklore and legends have been carefully preserved from generations of local storytellers. Returning guests will hear new stories as well as the research that uncovers the treasure of the past. And as enjoyable as it is entertaining, the Beaufort Ghost Walk is one of Beaufort's most popular attractions, and one that should not be missed. Now this is a ghost tour I've been on several times myself and with my family. And things that we've encountered when we go back to the old burying ground, during the day even, um, ghostly whispers, the sounds of people talking when they're not there, um, the brush of a... (coughs) (coughs) I got sand in my nose. The brush of a ghostly hand on your shoulder, um, brushing against you, touching you while you're photographing or recording the grave sites. You You know you're not alone. There are things bouncing around there that cannot be seen but definitely should not be ignored. And I've been through in the evening myself, and we've taken some astonishing photographs of things that are not there physically, but show up metaphysically. And of course, you can email me anytime or check out my web presence on Facebook, uh, as well as uh, YouTube, and see videos and or images captured from the Beaufort Ghost Walk or the old burying ground. Now, if you would take a stroll over 300 years of haunted history in America's best small town, led by your pirate guide, travel the same streets that Blackbeard did 300 years ago. The Beaufort Ghost Walk is a guided walking tour throughout the historic district of Beaufort, North Carolina. Now, the town was founded in 1709, And Beaufort is the third oldest town in North Carolina and the 12th oldest town in North America. On this ghost walk, which actually takes place in Beaufort, the one I mentioned before, takes place in Moorhead City, which is on the outskirts of Beaufort. You'll be entertained by the pirate guides as they bring history to life when they regale you in an enjoyable assortment of chilling stories, ghost ships, haunted houses, and interesting histories of the Beaufort area. In addition, you will hear about some of the amazing, unexplainable encounters experienced by both our guests and guides during ghost walks of the past. All of the stories you will hear have yet again been extensively researched and well-documented. The folklore and the legends have been carefully preserved from generations of local storytellers. And returning guests on this same one will hear new stories as well as research as it uncovers the treasures of the past. As enjoyable as it is entertaining, the Beaufort Ghost Walk is one of the most popular attractions and is one that should not be missed. 
And this is something that I have been involved in since 1999. And I've been coming here for 23 years. And I've actually written a couple of stories pertaining to the area, ghost stories. One of which is about the old burying ground. But due to, uh, I guess, licensing and issues of representation, I set the story in another location and took a lot of creative liberty. But this is a story that I wrote based on a story relayed to me about what happened in the old burying ground several years ago. I titled it Grave Encounters. Grave Encounter. Eric had big plans for the upcoming holiday weekend. He was super excited to take part in all the activities of the July 4th holiday. Firework displays, barbecues, and outdoor activities, including swimming and volleyball on the beach. Eric was employed as a sous chef at a very popular seafood restaurant in the small resort town of Sandy Isle on the coast of South Carolina. Eric had been employed at the restaurant for less than a year, and this was his first opportunity to enjoy the summer fun with three-plus days off. Eric was pumped. Yes, he thought. I'll be enjoying the weekend off while my co-workers are sweating away in the kitchen. The restaurant manager decided to close early on that day to allow the employees a few hours respite from work before the onslaught of tourists arrived the next morning. Eric was on a mini-vacation at closing time today, so he was, of course, even more excited to close. Eric thought to himself, let's get this party started. However, time was dragging today, and as he repeatedly looked up at the clock, the hands seemed to move slower and slower, as if they were mocking him in deliberate defiance of his eagerness to leave. Eric was usually would drive his car or ride his bicycle to work. He decided that day he would just walk. He thought to himself, I'll avoid all the holiday traffic and save some gas, too. I'll take the shortcut by the graveyard and I'll be home to meet up with Annie in less than ten minutes. Yes, this will be a lot better than being stuck in traffic and I can change before Annie gets there. A voice from the dining room called out to Eric. This sound brought his mind back to where he was and interrupted his daydream. Eric, we've got one more order. Could you stick around for just ten more minutes? Eric was internally perturbed by this request, but on the exterior, he smiled and shot back, Yeah, no worries, I got you covered. It appeared that Eric was going to get held over for a little while longer. That little while actually turned into hours. The moon was full and bright that evening. A smooth breeze swept through the town. Eric finally finished his shift. He quickly cleaned his station before taking out the trash. The time was 8.45 p.m. This reality put a spring in Eric's step as he started his walk home from the restaurant. The cold breeze was blowing softly through the town. His walk was well lit by the ambient glow of a full moon. This trip on foot took Eric down the street where the town's old cemetery was located. Eric approached the gates of the cemetery. Something about the atmosphere that night felt unsettling to him. He noticed that the gates were open and unlocked. He thought to himself, 
It's after sunset. Why aren't those gates locked? Eric took it upon himself to close and lock the gates. He was hoping that someone didn't break into the cemetery and vandalize any of the headstones that were there. As he continued on his journey, his thoughts were disrupted by a strange noise coming from inside the cemetery. Eric could hear what sounded like a child giggling. Hello? Who's in there? Eric shouted as he moved closer to the gate that separated the living from the dead. He tried to focus in on the area where he thought the sound was coming from. Eric stood patiently waiting for a reply, but there wasn't a response. He took a few more steps forward, but then he had his focus taken aback to the cemetery when he heard a soft, pitched voice humming and singing. Eric returned to the gate again. This time he was quite agitated and angrily called out, Hello, you can stop screwing with me already. The fun is over. Eric assumed that some local kids were fooling around in the cemetery and his impatience to get home. He didn't see the humor in this at all. Cut it out, punks. I know you're in there fooling around. I'm calling the cops when I get home. Eric shouted to whomever was hiding in the shadows of the cemetery. He stood firm on his sidewalk and glared into the darkness. Absolute silence followed his stern warning. Eric thought, well, I guess I showed them, as he puffed out his chest, exhaled, and turned to continue on his walk. His concentration was broken by something he didn't expect to see emerge from the shadows. Before him, on the other side of the gate, stood a dark-haired figure, leaning against a distorted tree. The individual appeared to be quietly sobbing. Shrouded in the shadows, this person appeared to be a small female with long, dark hair. She was wearing what appeared to be an old, dingy white gown that was tattered and smudged with dirt. Eric took a moment to catch his breath. He was taken aback by the peculiar sight of this girl, appearing out of thin air in the graveyard. Eric cleared his throat and swallowed hard, only to be left with a dry mouth. He called out, Hello? Miss, are you hurt? The girl said nothing. She remained still and continued to weep. Eric was starting to unravel. He had been by this graveyard more than a thousand times, and he had never experienced anything like this. His lungs tightened, making it difficult to breathe. His hands were shaking and wet with perspiration. His head began to throb. Miss, excuse me, are you okay? D do you need help? Eric said aloud. The girl refused to acknowledge his query. He was increasingly agitated by her unwillingness to reply. He took a deep breath. Hello, are you deaf, girl? Do you freaking understand me? I'm trying to help you. Eric shouted as he placed his hands on the iron rods of the gate. Aaron looked around the area where she was standing. The grave directly in front of him had a pile of toys, cards, toy necklaces, stuffed dolls, and candy draped over it. Eric smacked the gate as he called out to her again, but he was quickly stifled by her response. The mystery girl emerged from the shadows, moving like a marionette and facing away from him. Slowly, she sauntered toward the gate, awkwardly walking backwards until she was in front of Eric. His throat tightened, and the hairs on his arms stiffened and stood erect.
The girl moved closer and started to turn to face Eric. Eric gasped. He couldn't breathe. He was now face to face with this menace of the night, and he was scared to death. He trembled uncontrollably as he looked into the girl's eyes. To his shock, her eyes were not present. Only vacant pits of black remained. Matted hair framed her pale face. The girl opened her mouth as to speak. However, there were no words and no sound. Only the stench of death poured out from her mouth. Eric grabbed his chest as to keep his heart from bursting. He let out a voiceless scream as he jumped back from the gate. His legs were weak from the frightful encounter, and he stumbled and fell from the sidewalk onto the street behind him. The headlights of a passing car immediately blinded him. The vehicle came to a screeching halt to keep from hitting Eric. "'What are you trying to do, get yourself killed?' shouted the driver from her open driver's side window. After taking a second look, the driver called out to Eric in disbelief. "'Eric, is that you? What are you doing on the ground? You're supposed to be home already.' Eric realized who was talking to him. Thankfully, Annie, his girlfriend, was the one driving down the same street just as he was face to face with one of the most terrifying encounters of his life. A "'Annie, we need to go now!' Eric shouted. He stumbled repeatedly as he ran to her passenger door. He slammed the car door on his foot upon his first attempt to shut the door and uttered a few profanity-laced expletives. Go, go, go! Eric screamed, and he floored the gas pedal without hesitation. Eric's stomach started to churn as he turned to look back at the cemetery, and he pulled her car into a wet, well-lit parking lot of a nearby gas station. She put the car in park as Eric threw open the passenger door so he could vomit. What is wrong with you? Annie inquired. You look like you've seen a ghost. Eric wiped his puke-soiled mouth with his sleeve and explained the encounter to Annie. Eric always cared for Annie and loved her for as long as he could remember. He shared his story with her without a second thought. Eric, I believe you. I've lived in this town since childhood, and I've seen things in that graveyard that can't be explained. Without saying a word, Annie reached for Eric's hand. She pulled him closer to her and attempted to kiss him. Eric backed away slightly. Annie, babe, I just puked, remember? Annie chuckled as their eyes met again. She moved in for a second time and kissed his vomit-tainted lips. Eric, I love you, vomit mouth and all. Their brief moment together was interrupted suddenly. Eric went into a state of panic. He was grabbing each pocket to double-check where he had put his phone, but came up empty-handed. My, my phone! I don't have my phone! I must have dropped it when I fell into the street. Annie, I'm sorry, but I have to go back and get it. What if that witch or demon or whatever it was gets it and finds out who I am? Annie grabbed Eric's hand in order to settle him down and agreed to go back there so he could retrieve his phone. Eric sighed as he traced his hand along her lacy scarf. They got back into the car and headed back into the direction of the cemetery. They stopped near the spot where Eric had been. Annie turned her headlights on high beam. She grabbed Eric's hand and said, I have a flashlight on the back floorboard. Eric grabbed the flashlight and said to Annie, Come on, let's find this freaking thing together. 
Are you up for it, Annie? He said with a forced smirk. They get out of her car and shuffled their feet as they approached the exact spot where Eric came face to face with this demonic-looking apparition. Eric, with Annie's flashlight in hand, proceeded to scour the area, looking for his phone. He was hoping to avoid being that caused him to lose his cool. He was afraid that it would show up again, but he wasn't about to give up until he found his phone. Eric had heard stories from various townspeople of strange encounters in that graveyard. He had always dismissed these tales as simply ghost stories or legends handed down through the years. This was different from everything else he's heard. It wasn't a figment of his imagination. He saw something unusual. Eric would just laugh and shrug off these supposed ghost stories of encounters in the old graveyard. But what he experienced that night would forever change his opinion. Eric, what is that? Annie whispered. Eric pointed the flashlight toward the tree where he saw the ghostly figure. It occurred to him at that moment... Holy shit, this is the grave with all the toys and other stuff covering it. Look at it, Annie. Those items on that grave are scattered everywhere, Eric said aloud. It looked as if something or someone had tossed toys, seashells, and cards all around the area. Annie, these are covering that dead girl's grave from earlier. When I saw that girl in the white, I noticed the grave was covered with this stuff. What did I see? Annie was standing close to the fence line. She placed her hands along the rails. What is that? She said aloud. The headlights to Annie's car shut off. Eric quickly turned to look at the car to see what blocked the headlights. He slowly walked toward the car, and then the headlights turned back on, brighter than before. Annie, I think your alternator might be going bad on your car. The lights keep flickering. Eric said to her as he turned to face her. To his surprise, Annie was no longer standing at the fence. Annie? Annie, where are you, babe? Eric called out in desperation. He lifted the beam from his flashlight to check the area where she had been standing. He ran to the fence line and used the flashlight to canvas the area in hopes of finding where Annie may have wandered off to. He was beginning to get really worried about where she was. Annie, where are you? Eric cried aloud again. He could hear muffled screams coming from the decorated grave. Eric's heart dropped to his stomach. When he panned the ground along the grave and he saw Annie's scarf, her scarf was sticking halfway up out of the ground. Annie's muffled screams grew softer and softer. Annie! Annie! Eric cried as the scarf was no longer visible and had sunk all the way beneath the earth. As the breeze started to shake the tree branches around him, the laughter of the ghost girl billowed through the air. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Well, it's that time again. That's all the time I have for this week. 
Thank you so much for hanging out with me in my little beach escape on Atlantic Beach in North Carolina. Join me next time for more super weird, strange, scary, spooky, and creepy stuff. Lord knows what it will be, but I know I'm going to be covering very soon horror movies, paranormal films that are based on actual events. And my son will be helping me on that one because he is a supreme movie buff. And both of us love film, so he'll be a part of that and my, I guess, guest host. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you so much for listening. And if you ever get a chance, stop here at Atlantic Beach in North Carolina. You've got Beaufort and Moorhead City within your reach, Newburn and Swansboro, and they all have so much creepy stuff to offer, haunted locations, and there are quite a few UFO sightings along this part of the Atlantic coast. Thank you, have a great weekend, and God bless.